Welcome to Living Biblically, a podcast from Graceland Church. Join us as Pastor Nate shares biblical wisdom that we can use in our daily lives and relationships to help us put Jesus first in our lives for our neighbors. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of Living Biblically. Uh, This is a resource that Graceland Church offers for individuals, couples, families, uh, for the purposes of aligning our life, every aspect of our life, with the Word of God. We really believe at Graceland that we are to be people who stand on the Word, live by the Word, that we are to order our lives according to the Word. In John chapter 6, Jesus gives a hard word, and the Bible says that many of the disciples actually departed and did not want to follow Him. Jesus looks at the remaining disciples, James, John, Peter, and says, do you too also want to leave? And Peter says, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. And so the Bible uh, contains the words of life, and so we want to order our lives accordingly. What I want to do in this episode is I want to talk about having tough conversations. Tough conversations. Oftentimes, you find people who Uh, perhaps thrive on having tough conversations. You know, they'll tell it like it is, and they'll be courageous and brave, but there's just an element of love and gentleness and patience and kindness that is flagrantly absent. At the other end of the spectrum, you'll have people that don't want to have tough conversations that might say, hey, I don't want to do that. I don't want to disrupt things. I don't want to rock the boat. And really, both ends are not demonstrating what the Bible teaches. We are to speak the truth in love, and in fact, that'll be one of the the principles that I'll share, but having a tough conversation, whether that's with your kids, perhaps even with yourself, having a tough conversation about some realities that you see in your own heart with a spouse, with a spiritual leader, with a neighbor, with a family member, with a friend. I firmly believe this maxim that, that I have adopted many, many years ago, that life is comprised of one awkward conversation after the next, and you have to muster up the courage and the internal fortitude to have them. So tough conversations, particularly in a pastoral or spiritual context, how do we do do that? So here's some principles that I want to share with you that I think that if you'll embrace these, think through these, and and I don't know if you got to, you know, just chronologically do them, you know, in order, but as you think about having tough difficult conversations, and we all have them, right? I mean, you, you see something in your spouse, you see something in your kids, you observe a, a behavior or a decision in a friend, and rather than uh, not engaging, which is the work of an enemy, better is open rebuke than hidden love, right? If you say, hey, I love the person too much, I don't want to engage, I don't want to, I don't want to rock the boat, I like things how they are, The Bible is pretty clear that that's not the work of a friend. That's not the work of love. That's the work of an enemy because love moved towards people. So tough conversations that that you have to have or that people have had with you, hopefully they embrace these principles that we see from the Bible. First, pray for guidance, right? I mean, right at the bat, prayer is a cry for relationship, a commitment of dependence. Prayer is talking to the Father, listening to Him, and you want to pray for guidance. God, give me discernment. Give me wisdom. Give me the right words to speak. Help me discern how to say it, when to say it, if I'm even if I even need to say it. So, uh, asking for wisdom. We see this in James chapter one. James writes, "If you lack wisdom, and the truth is, you lack wisdom. I lack wisdom. Every single day, we lack wisdom. 
And James gives us a promise. Ask God for wisdom, and God will give it to us. Now, when we ask, we should believe and not doubt, and God will give that to us. So pray for guidance, which means asking God for wisdom, discernment, and the right words. Secondly, speak the truth. There is such thing as truth. Speak the truth, preposition in love. Speak the truth in love. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Speak the truth in love. So be honest, be direct, but also be compassionate and sympathetic. Your goal is not just to convey a message, but to do so in a way that reflects Jesus' love for them as it uh, as you're the recipient of Jesus' love as well. So speak the truth in love. Jesus perfectly balanced, uh, obviously being truth incarnate, right? Truth, the, the Word of God, the truth uh, dwelt among us, John chapter 1. But he, he also was masterful in adapting to the situation and the people at hand. He spoke very differently to the woman uh, uh, caught in adultery in John 8. He spoke differently to the Samaritan woman in in John chapter 4. He spoke very differently to the rich young ruler. So you want to speak the truth in love, right? Uh, Third, be prepared. I I don't always do this because always is an absolute, but I more often than not, when I know that I need to have right? Not want to have, but need to have a tough conversation. I try to prepare a script. I regularly say this to, to friends and family. Hey, if you're going to have a tough conversation, if you're about to lean in, you need to think through what you're going to say, right? Reflect on your words, anticipate questions, perhaps push back. And it doesn't mean like scripting it out and being mechanical, but just being prepared and helping you stay focused and calm. In fact, the Bible tells us in Proverbs that where there is an abundance of words, the likelihood of foolishness following is high. Meaning, you want, I think, be succinct, be concise, and be prepared. Fourth, listen actively. I, I cannot tell you. You have heard it so many times. I've heard it so many times. But it is amazing how my sinful tendency in conversations with my kids, with my bride, with colleagues, with with friends where they're saying something, and rather than being attentive and engaging with what they're saying, I am formulating my response. I'm I'm putting together my rebuttal, my counter-argument. Just listen actively. A tough conversation is a two-way street. Fifth, um, choose the right setting, right? You, you might be prepared. You might ha- have a commitment to speak the truth in love. You're praying for guidance. And you, you really do have a commitment to listen actively, but maybe you've chosen the wrong setting and just the whole thing imploded. So you, you need to you need to choose the right setting. Oftentimes, uh, as uh, one of the pastors at Graceland Church, the lead pastor at Graceland Church, I'll, I'll have people that will want to catch me before service or in between service or immediately following service, and they'll want to share something that is really of a, of a very serious nature, particularly right before I preach, somebody will, sometimes they'll catch me, and I'm like, that's just, that's just not the right setting for me. And, and so you got you to choose the right, right, right setting when you're, when you're talking to somebody, right? You, if they're about to give a presentation, if you're at family dinner, if you're out on a date night trying to celebrate something, if there's an anniversary, or you know they've already had a difficult day and you're about to lean in with another tough conversation, 
if it's not absolutely pivotal and crucial that you have it, then maybe you just need to table that conversation and uh, pick the right time and pick the right geographical setting. Oftentimes, if you're going to have a tough conversation, it needs to be in a place that's private and and comfortable. That's that's free from distractions and conducive to open, honest dialogue. There's uh, several coffee shops in town that that I I will frequent. And if I go to those coffee shops, I know without a doubt that I'm going to see somebody that I know or that knows me. And undoubtedly, I'm not upset by this. It doesn't offend me. It's part of being one of the pastors at Graceland. Graceland has a, a significant you know, geographical footprint, and there's a lot of influence that goes to being one of the leaders at Graceland Church. And so more often than not, when I'm at a coffee shop, I'll, I'll have people that will come up to me and want to say something and introduce themselves, or I'll see them, and I want to follow up. And so that's just part of the nature of being a pastor. But if I'm going to have a tough conversation, I don't, I won't go to those places because I want to have privacy. I want to be able to um, be open and honest and not have, you know, um, you know, a number of people coming up and disrupting this conversation that, that, I, that I need to have, and vice versa. If somebody's going to have a tough conversation with me, I want to do it in a, in a private setting, uh, that's that's comfortable and, and open to honest dialogue. Six, use I statements. Listen, I am 43 years old or 43 years young. When I say 43 years young, I mean that I'm speaking of just still my youthfulness, my my foolishness, my lack of wisdom at times. And it's amazing in conversations that if you will use I statements rather than you statements, why, why is that? You statements sound accusatory, right? If, if you use I statements, they express how you feel and what you personally, individually have observed without placing direct blame. I don't think that's manipulative. I don't think they're trying to be duplicitous. I just think that you need to say, ha, hey, this is how I feel. These are my observations, not you did this and you said that and here... Just use I statements. That'll set the tone of the meeting. That's already, right? It's already going to be a tough conversation. So you don't want to unnecessarily create more stumbling blocks. And I think you got to really be very particular about the type of language you use. And so I would encourage you to use I statements. Seventh, be patient and be respectful. Um, there's a great verse in Romans chapter 12 where Paul writes, as he's talking about how we interact with other brothers and sisters in Christ, insofar as it depends on you, be at peace with all men and women. The thrust of that verse is Paul saying, you can contain and control you. You can control your emotions. Your job is to be at peace with all men and women. And one of the ways that we do that at least can foster relationships that are comprised of of peace and respect is is that we actually in those moments that we exemplify patience and respect being patient and allowing the other person to express their feelings validates them affirms them and 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 if you can really work hard and this is difficult y'all i mean this is difficult for me to really work diligently to maintain a respectful tone even if the conversation becomes challenging. I certainly don't do this perfectly, but I can tell you as, as, as someone who wants to boast, Galatians chapter 6, I want to boast in the cross of Christ. I want to have some 
you know, spiritual quote unquote pride, this has been an area where I have really worked hard that in the midst of seemingly volatile, uh, difficult conversations where perhaps the person doesn't respond in a manner that they should, they get upset, they get angry, they're offended, they fly off the handle. More often than not, by God's grace, with lots of prayer, lots of reading the Bible, evaluating my own hearts, the sinful tendencies of my heart, letting people speak in, really understand that humility is such a key, I would even say one of the chief attributes, the chief attributes of being a follower of Jesus. In those moments where things can be a little tense, if you will remain patient and respectful and kind and gentle, more often than not, it will be a disarming posture and will really help to de-escalate the situation. So be patient and be respectful. Eighth, seek reconciliation, not just resolution. The goal of a tough, awkward, hard conversation in a Christian context is not just to resolve an issue, but to foster, pursue, cultivate reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Reconciliation is the reconciling, the mending, the bringing together of two parties that were at odds, that that uh, were and had had conflict with each other. And when you reconcile, like when you reconcile with your spouse, you've you've you were uh, you were in conflict. There was some opposition. You weren't on the same page, but you've come back together. There's peace. There's harmony. There's unity. So we want to seek reconciliation, not just resolution. We're not just uh, desirous of saying our words, getting our argument across, speaking our mind. We want to and should want to reconcile with brothers and sisters in Christ and have a deeper understanding of what Jesus has done for us and to bend that out with other individuals. You are going to have problems. You're going to have issues. You're going to have conflict. Our goal should not just be resolution, but reconciliation. That's deeper. That's more intimate. That's more serious. That's uh, more more Christ-honoring. Ninth, and perhaps something that I don't do very well, I don't think about this, you may have prayed, you you may have, uh, you know, you've spoken the truth in love, you've, you were prepared, you've listened, you've you've chosen the right setting, you've used I statements, you were patient, respectful, you you really, in that moment, you guys did reconcile, you're, you're grateful for the, the bringing back of, of a peaceful, harmonious relationship. Oftentimes, what we don't do is we don't follow up. How many times have you had a conversation that you thought went really well, and then you find out, to your surprise, it did not go as well as you thought it did? And so one of the things that you need to do is just follow up with the individual after the conversation, and it provides an opportunity to address any unresolved issues. How many times do we realize, understand that to resolve conflict isn't just a one-time event, but needs to be a reoccurring commitment that we make to really pursue and foster reconciliation. Even though reconciliation happens in a moment where you're reconciled, just like we were with the Father, we're reconciled to the Father through the blood of Christ, that reconciliation, that continuing to cultivate that relationship and the improvement, the fellowship, the friendship, the intimacy is something that we continually work on in the same way we need to do that with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Tenth and lastly, in the midst of all of these principles, in the midst of all these steps, you and I need to be reliant upon the Holy Spirit. Ask the Spirit of God to work in 
and through you. Trust in the Spirit's guidance throughout the conversation. Perhaps you were prepared, you've prayed for wisdom, and in the midst of the conversation, you really sensed a prompting by the Spirit of God to ask a question, maybe confess, maybe acknowledge, maybe to redirect the conversation to something else, or maybe the Spirit of God said, this is not the right time. This is not the right time. It started out this way, but you can tell maybe there's something going on. Just be reliant upon the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and uh, discouragingly, we don't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. We don't uh, ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we don't uh, seek the Holy Spirit. We don't ask the Spirit for wisdom. And so the Spirit of God points us to the person and the work of Jesus, convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. And as we walk in the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, as we walk in the Spirit, not run, not, not briskly walk, not jog, but as we walk, slow down, be mindful of what's going on, be attentive to what's going on in front of you. As you walk in the Spirit, you are going to do what? Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. I think if you'll be reliant upon the Holy Spirit, you will, by God's grace and the work of the Spirit, in the midst of having tough, hard conversations, you will honor Jesus. Again, the heart of a tough conversation is not just merely to convey information or correct behavior. It's to build the other person up in love, reflecting the grace and the truth that's found in Jesus, that Jesus so regularly, daily, hourly, perhaps even minutely, does with you and does with me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Living Biblically. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Living Biblically. We hope this episode encouraged you today. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at questions at gracelandbaptist.org.